Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis. Honest conversations about life, love, and leadership. So welcome. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number eight of the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis. Hey, listen, if you missed our last podcast, it was with one of our favorite people, Brandy Wilson. Brandy shared her testimony and, man, some deep wisdom about tough topics, talk about gratitude and forgiveness and boundaries. And so today, Justin and I, he's here with me. Say hello. Hello. hello there he is. Um, we want to talk about how do you practically live out a lot of these hard topics of gratitude, forgiveness, and boundaries. Yeah. And so if you, if you haven't listened to Brandy's episode, pause this one right now. Yes. Go back and listen to episode number seven. Because it's in the context of her whole world falling apart that she was able to create kind of this process by which she pursued gratitude and she pursued forgiveness and she began to develop boundaries that helped redefine the life that she lives. And so as we go into the holidays, uh, we just felt like, man, where do you need forgiveness most? probably with family. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you looking at me across the table? Like I'm, I'm feeling it over here. Where, where do you need boundaries most? Maybe, maybe with family. And, and where do you need to find gratitude most? My guess is it might be around the holidays because the holidays become some of the most stressful times uh, of our entire year. And so with us just being a few days away from Christmas, which actually is just crazy to say, I'm so sad because we haven't even done any Christmas shop. Trisha's bought like three gifts on Amazon. And it's that's true. like all the Christmas shopping as, as of Tuesday, when you're listening to this, the Davises have bought three Christmas gifts, <laughs> but that goes into kind of like <laughs> one of the things we love about Christmas is traditions and the nostalgia of our traditions. But we're kind of <sighs> in the season of life where our, some of our kids are launched. Some of our kids are home. It's, it's changed. And so the one tradition we've had, we kind of stumbled on this five years ago. Well, I mean, yeah, we, we hit it and missed it. Like when we were living in Nashville, we had a live Christmas tree, but we didn't go and cut down a live Christmas tree. That's true. And so when we moved back to Indianapolis, uh, we already knew of places that were live Christmas tree farms where we could go and kind of make a whole day out of it. Yeah. And so we go to this place called Dull's Christmas Tree Farm. If you're local, I can't recommend it enough. It's not, this episode is not being sponsored by Dull's. I'm it's just, not. it's just free advertising. But we go, they sell hot chocolate and hot cider and there's music playing and there's decorations. And it's just this, you feel like you're in the middle of a Hallmark movie that's sure. inside the inside a Hallmark Christmas card. And our first time going, our season of life, our oldest son Micah had just left for college. You know, a couple of months prior, he played college basketball. So him being home, we were still our like little family unit and it just felt buttoned up and amazing and incredible. And it became this tradition after we adopted our son and daughter and it continued to be the tradition when our son got married. So this year we had like these high expectations of it was going to be amazing again. And, and so I'm, I am a, I'm not just one who are, is a tradition. I like traditions, but I become a traditionalist. And so like the, <laughs> the, um, my mental and emotional, um, mood hinges on whether or not we actually fulfill some of these traditions. And so, which is funny cause that's not your personality at all. That's no. more me. So I do secretly kind of enjoy you coming a little unhinged. The, old, the older I've gotten, the more sentimental I've gotten. 
But so we knew we had this small window over Thanksgiving break because our son Isaiah left to go to college this year and he's playing college basketball. And so we knew his basketball schedule was going to afford us the day before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving day. And then he would leave the morning after Thanksgiving to go back to school because he had a basketball game. And so we had this big plan that we were going to, the day before Thanksgiving, we're going to go to Dole's Christmas tree farm. We're going to take Isaiah, the two little kids, I say little, they're, they're not little they anymore, but yeah, yeah. That's, so that's what we call them. And we were going to go and cut down this Christmas tree and it was going to be amazing. We we're going to beat the crowd and we beat the crowd. All right. <laughs> we beat the crowd like <laughs> mega. We, we were pulling in and typically when you're going into dolls, you see cars coming out with Christmas trees on top of their cars. Yeah. It's like hype. It's yeah. Like, yeah. And, and, and so there's, there's no, there's no, no traffic. There's no cars. There's no <laughs> Christmas trees coming out. And so I feel like Clark W. Griswold. For those of you that are over 40, you know exactly what I'm talking about. For those of you that are maybe under 30, you're like, who's Clark Griswold? Now Go look, look it, it up, up. kids. Um, but <laughs> it's we, it. we, uh, we pull into the parking lot and there's, I'm going to say eight to 10 cars. So there's enough cars that for a split second, I thought to myself, I'm freaking brilliant. I beat the Christmas rush. And, and I just want to in, in say, my, in my defense, we all knew, like, this, this except is, it, for you, it's 40 minutes from our house. So it's, it's a trek and <laughs> I'm not going to make a trek like this without checking it first. And so I get on the Google and <laughs> oh I, think, I see that their, their, their hours are three to 6 PM. So I know we have a three hour window. It's three 30. And I think to myself, I'm the smartest man alive. And I get out of the car and one of the owners of Dole's Christmas tree farm looks at me like, can I help you? And I said, I'm here to buy a Christmas tree. <laughs> and she's like, we don't open until the day after Thanksgiving. And I'm like, that's not possible. I want a Christmas tree right now. I just drove 40 minutes. And anyway, I want you guys to think of like anime and an anime character where their eyes get really big and sad and tears start to well up. This is what was happening with Justin and those of us in the van waiting for him were dying laughing, which is so unkind of us, but we just thought it was the funniest thing. So I get in the car and I, I'm, I'm kind to the lady, but I, I did show her where there was an error in their, <laughs> their hours of operation on Google, uh, which is the Bible of all hours of operation. And I get in the car and I'm just so frustrated. So I then immediately Google Christmas tree farms near me and every single Christmas tree farm was closed the day before Thanksgiving because she said they opened the day after Thanksgiving. And, and here's kind of why we share that story because I was just in a bad mood the rest of the day. I, I tried to recover. I really, really did. But I'm like, I deserve, this is the only day that we get with Isaiah. I wanted to cut out a Christmas. I had these expectations that were not met. And that is where entitlement is born. The greatest enemy to gratitude in your life is this idea of entitlement and entitlements. Three favorite words are you owe me, right? Like, like if you struggle with entitlement, you believe that you deserve something. And I, and I know it was just a Christmas tree, right? And I was good, but I was going to pay for it. Um, but I just felt like, you know what, this is what Google said. This is what your hours said. You owe me this Christmas tree. And I can actually become like that in other aspects of my life. I can, I can be entitled in my marriage. I can be entitled in my relationship with my kids. I can be entitled in relationships at work. 
entitlement has a way of seeping into our life and just sucks gratitude right out of our hearts. And what I appreciate about the story is that it's not this epic failure. It was just a Christmas tree, but it it's the slow fade that entitlement creeps in. As you say, as you said, it's, it's the little things that when they start to add up, you know you struggle with entitlement when you start to blow up about the little things because you feel like you deserved it. Well, and I think as as we all prepare for, you know, Christmas break, we're going to be around our family. You know, we're going to be around kids. If you're a parent, you're going to be around your kids a lot more. I, I think maybe do an inventory before the rush of the holiday season of like, hey, on a scale of 1 to 10, like how entitled do I feel in my marriage? In a scale of 1 to 10, how entitled do I feel at work? On a scale of one to 10, how entitled do I feel in my relationships, in my friendships, in my dating relationships? And I think that will help you kind of pre-decide on how to pursue gratitude. There's this passage in uh, the Gospel, Luke, uh, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And I won't read it all, but it's this story where Jesus has healed a, a group of people. Uh, there was a group of lepers and Jesus heals them and he tells them to go back and, and tell the priest of like what he had done. Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, um, they were cleansed. It was like this huge celebration. But only one of them came back to tell Jesus, thank you. He was the only one who came back to praise God. He threw himself at Jesus's feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. So there's an assumption in the text that the others possibly weren't. He was the Samaritan. So out of these group of people, he was the one that probably shouldn't have known to come back. And then in verse 18, Jesus says, Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And when we get real about this, when we hear this story, of these group of people finding healing and one of the dudes comes back and he tells Jesus, thank you. We're all the Samaritan, right? Of course we would come back. Of course we would give God praise. Of course we would be like the A plus student who would get it right all the time. But the reality is most often we're a part of the other group that we just get so caught up in life and expectations, sometimes just busyness, sometimes just really difficult people and hard, just, you know, hard seasons of life that we lose sight and that entitlement begins to overwhelm us that we can't, it's not even that we aren't being grateful. We don't want to be grateful. What I love about this story is that word cleansed is not, um, Jesus isn't talking about a physical healing there. In Jewish culture, if you had leprosy, you were considered to be unclean before God. And so Jesus not only heals 10 lepers, he actually allows them to be right before God. And so when he says in verse 19, rise and go, your faith has made you well, he's not talking about his physical healing. He's talking about his spiritual condition. And it's this also this reality that, maybe the nine that didn't thank Jesus still struggled spiritually. They weren't spiritually cleansed. They, they still had this sense of entitlement, maybe because they were Jewish, maybe because they felt like they deserved to be healed, but they, they didn't find true heart healing because they didn't come back to God with an attitude 
of gratitude. And that comes on like on the heels of the practical side of it. Like how do we know we are struggling with entitlement? Well, entitlement says, I want it now. I I deserve it more. Entitlement has this um, bartering to it of like, I will show up when this happens, or I will do this when this person does that. It's these expectations that I deserve it. And because I deserve it, I'm not going to be grateful until it actually happens. You know, as I'm thinking about entitlement, one of the um, predominant thoughts in my mind is, well, I don't really struggle with that. Um, (laughs) um, I, I feel like I, for the most part in my life, I feel like I can recognize it, but then there's this reality that entitlement isn't necessarily an overt sin. It's sometimes it's a subtle sin. It's a subtle heart Mm. condition. And I think, you know, as we are coming up on Christmas, one of the things I've been struggling with, and I, I have shared this with a few people, I've shared it on Facebook as well, just the mourning the loss of Hope City in kind of a a new and fresh way. And just to kind of give you guys a little insight, for those of you that are listening for the first time, uh, you know, Trish and I closed our church of six years. Uh, April 24th was the last Sunday. And we had, we, we worked so hard to raise money to start the church and to, you know, um, build a launch team and to move three different times in, in three years to different locations. And we had so many volunteers that poured their blood, sweat, and tears and churches mm-hmm. that poured resources and hundreds of thousands of dollars into the church and, and getting to this place where we, when we made the decision to close, I did the predominant feeling that I felt was not gratitude. It was, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like we worked so hard through COVID and we worked so hard through so many challenges. Um, it was like, God, seriously, can I just get a break? Like, what are you doing? And, and, and I think there's a natural emotion to that, right? Like, obviously we're just being real. Like God's big enough to handle our questions and he's big enough to handle our accusations. I think where it becomes entitlement is when it becomes your heart's disposition that God owed you more than he gave you. Like it, it, your marriage ended and God, you deserved that, right? You deserve your marriage to, to make it. Or, you know, you lost your job and God let you down. And I think God wants us to be honest, but at the same time, if, if we're not willing to move out of entitlement and into gratitude, that becomes the disposition of Which our heart. really how we enter into breaking that posture of entitlement is just being honest. It, it's like confessing, hey, this is where I'm at. This is how I feel. It's allowing the truth of your reality because you can't change what you're not willing to admit. In, in Luke 17. Ooh, that was good. Say that again. <laughs> Luke 17, verses 17, <laughs> Jesus asks, we're not all 10 cleansed. Like, we're not all 10 set free. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except the foreigner? You see, gratitude makes a poor man rich, and entitlement makes a rich man poor. And I think, you know, for us to kind of move on through this, you know, as we, as we kind of shift gears, for you, maybe in your life, your personal life, how can you recognize if you struggle with entitlement? Does entitlement exist in your material life, your financial life? 
do you feel entitled in your relational world right now? Like, do you feel like somebody owes you something uh, vocationally? Are you going to work every day thinking that, you know, my boss, he, he, I deserve to be recognized. I deserve to be, you know, promoted. I, I deserve this um, in your, in the, your life circumstances. Are you kind of holding people hostage to this belief that you deserve more than what you're getting right now? And I think there is, you know, a natural aspect of motivation and, and, you know, being driven and all that that's healthy. But when it begins to hold your relationship with God hostage and hold your heart hostage and allow you not to experience gratitude, then it becomes a spiritual um, barrier of you experiencing God's best. You know, practicing gratitude allows feelings of gratitude to always follow the decision to be grateful. And so here's how we can... Here, here, here's some things that I'm doing these days to try to help myself be more grateful when Dull's Tree Farm is closed. <laughs> First, um, Brandy mentioned this in her episode, start a list. Yeah. And this sounds really elementary, um, but entitlement and gratefulness cannot ex- coexist in the same heart, right? So if you want entitlement to leave your heart, you have to replace it with gratitude mm-hmm. because you cannot be simultaneously grateful and entitled. They just can't coexist. And so when you focus on all that God has provided, it extinguishes entitlement and allows you to see the richness of having a loving God who provides for all of our needs. That's good. I would say next, confess to a friend. I I don't know. We always say this all the time. We probably have to stop saying it. Let's get real. Um, But it's true. I can way um, easily engage in a conversation where I'm being all complainy in Fight Club and Grumpy. No, not you, babe. <laughs> then I practice gratitude. But I will say over the past eight months since closing the church, this has been a discipline that Justin and I have leaned very heavily into of finding gratitude. And even in closing the church, we're able to look back and we are so grateful that we were able to close well and our staff and our leadership team, Justin and I in our marriage, like it was still really hard, but we, we left well. And so practicing gratitude, just confessing it, like saying, I'm, I'm feeling this way, but I want to be grateful for this. There is power in the exchange of those words. Our words have power, yes, to tear us down, but they also have great power to build others up but our own hearts up. And when you practice just sharing that, man, it, it becomes fun to look for the good in the heart. Well, I think I've shared this story before, but I, you know, if you're, if you're a longtime listener, if you listen to every seven, all seven episodes, <laughs> you can excuse uh, the, my repetitiveness, but when you get old, that's what you get to do is repeat stories. But you know, um, the week after the church closed, I had a counseling session and I went into my counselor and I was just Overwhelmed with sadness and the, the highest three attended Sundays of Hope City post-COVID were our last three Sundays. And there was this disposition of entitlement that I carried into this counseling session. Like if these, if everybody would have been there, like, you know, for the last two years, like they were, you know, the last three weeks. And my counselor said something that just redefined my whole disposition. He said, five years from now, which would you rather have? Would you rather have a vision of having to set up extra chairs your last Sunday of Hope City or having 20 people there because you and, and a, an acoustic guitar player because you couldn't find a band? And it was just this perspective-shifting mm-hmm. conversation 
that illuminated this entitlement that I had in my heart, even to the very end, right? That I had to surrender that to God. And it really caused me to start praying prayers of gratitude. Yeah, that's a beautiful uh, real-time example of what it means to confess, what it means to start making a list and praying those prayers. You know, Luke 17, 15, it says one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. When we pray prayers of gratitude, man, it changes not just our heart posture, but our physical posture, our mind, our heart and soul to realize that, you know what, we do have things to be grateful, even in the harder times. Well, I think um, as we shift gears, Trish, one of the other things that I think really that Brandy's episode kind of illuminated that many of us may need to concentrate on and think through as we head into the holidays is this idea of forgiveness, right? Because she had been wounded and all of us experience wounds, but she had a deep marital wound that Mm -hmm. she had to process and offer forgiveness for. Even when that marriage didn't make it, she still had to figure out how to forgive. And forgiveness, you know, you say this, forgiveness is the fuel for gratitude. Talk about that a little bit. I think it's just remembering that we can be the other nine in this story. Uh, We have the capacity to be entitled and hold on to our wounds. And that's part of the grieving process, but it's kind of the same with entitlement when we talk about forgiveness. Um, I deserve an apology now. I deserve more effort from the person to make it up to me. I'll forgive when they, you know, fill in in the blank. But when you become grateful for what you've been given, when you get to see your life and who you are in Christ, what happens is it allows you to offer forgiveness. And forgiveness doesn't excuse how a person has wounded you. Forgiveness prevents that behavior from destroying your heart. And forgiveness allows you to walk cleansed to walk in the freedom of being fully known and fully loved and fully accepted rather than walking in bitterness and resentment because the truth about unforgiveness is that it becomes um, like a cancer. It always lends itself to resentment and it begins to affect all facets, all relationships in your life and and it bleeds right into that entitlement piece. And that's why I always say that forgiveness is the fuel to gratitude because it's where we get to walk in freedom. And, you know, coming up in this Christmas season, I feel like we can see a glimpse of this in the story of Mary and and Joseph. Like everything kind of breaks loose that she's pregnant and he's freaking out. And then there's this, this little passage where it says before the angel came and told him what was going on and what God was doing, he said that he had made the decision to divorce her quietly. To me, that's a picture of forgiveness. He was setting himself free. And in that act of forgiveness, um, our Savior was born, and it's changed the world from generation to generation. And so, you know, in this podcast, we are talking about how to get practical in these different areas. And so how do you get practical when it comes to forgiveness? And I just have a very short little conversation I have with myself with three simple words. And the first is pray. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Uh, 
when you pray, you remind yourself that you're not alone in it. God has not left you uh, to yourself. He will help guide you in the process. So pray. Next, prepare. Prepare yourself for a response or no response at all. It's remembering uh, this passage of scripture that when Jesus died on the cross, it says that while we were still sinners, like when we were still messing up, when we were still not even knowing to choose him, he chose us. And so when we prepare for regardless of how they respond, that freedom of forgiveness is found regardless of the outcome. So pray, prepare, and lastly, press on. Press on is just remembering, I got to remind myself, you have to remind yourself that your worth isn't dependent on another person's response. Forgiveness frees you from a bitter heart and it replaces it with a grateful heart. And so walking cleansed, walking in the freedom of being grateful and forgiveness, man, that's where joy is found. What would you say to the person that is coming up on another Christmas season and a relationship still isn't restored? Maybe a person still hasn't apologized. Maybe um, they have forgiven, but that person continues to wound or continues to not acknowledge what has been wounded. What would you say to that person that is like, okay, I've done that. Yeah, thanks, Trish. And it it didn't work, (laughs) right? I mean, is that that the 70 times 7 aspect of forgiveness? When Peter asked Jesus, you know, in Matthew... The, um, the gospel of Matthew, you know, Jesus replies, you know, you got to do it 70 times seven and you, you know me, I'm not good at math. And, huh. but it wasn't a mathematical equation. Jesus was saying, you're going to have to choose it over and over again. And that, that's the misconception about forgiveness. We've always tethered forgiveness to the person we're forgiving but forgiveness always starts with us. Yeah. And so we have the capacity to let go through the power of forgiveness. Again, doesn't excuse their behavior, but it sets you free. And it allows, I call it, I think I may have said this a couple of podcasts ago, that it, it allows you to live a life with no regrets. Yeah. It's allowing your heart to live in the freedom, knowing that you can let go and I think that it goes into our, our last area that we're going to talk about. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's most important um, to remember that forgiveness is free, trust is earned, and just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you have to give them proximity to your heart again. And and as, as a follower of Jesus, like, those lines get blurred sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Because you feel, oh, no, I, I need to love everyone. And, and loving everyone, Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so... Loving yourself is is an important prerequisite to being able to love others. Mm. And for some of us, the best way we can love ourselves is to develop boundaries in our life that prevent people from wounding us again. And I love that part of Brandy's story, and that's why we wanted to talk about boundaries as we close uh, the podcast today, because she got to this place where she had to start creating healthy boundaries. And she shares the heart behind those boundaries in episode seven. But I love what psychology today, how, how, they, how psychology today defines boundaries. It says this, boundaries are limits and expectations that we set for ourselves and others. They help both parties understand how to behave, what behavior is acceptable, and what isn't. And I think 
One of the biggest mistakes that Trish and I made in our marriage for the first 10 years is we allowed other people, we didn't define boundaries in our marriage relationship. And so we allowed other people in our life to define them. And if you do not create boundaries and define boundaries in your life, people will define them for you. So we allowed our church community to define boundaries. We allowed our extended family to define boundaries. We allowed our kids to define our boundaries. We, we allowed, you know, um, school activities and travel sports to define boundaries. And when you're not intentional about defining boundaries, every single person in their life will take it upon themselves to define your life for you. That's what I love about how psychology today defines boundaries because they say it helps both parties understand and what I love about the word boundaries is that I think it softens kind of this theological confusion um, those who've grown up in the church really struggle with when it comes to understanding forgiveness and boundaries, because we have equated a lack of boundaries as giving grace. And those are two different things. Yeah. I mean, when you extend grace without boundaries, that's really enabling. Yes. That's what, that's what that is. Like you're just, you're reinforcing bad behavior and calling it grace. But it's hard. It's, it feels gray and it sometimes feels yucky to create boundaries. But if we could change our perception of boundaries, it helps us not ask the question, why do I have to forgive? But when I forgive, how do I create healthy boundaries? Well, and that's one of the things that Boundaries has done for us. It's, it's kept our family on the same team, mm -hmm. right? When you, when you create healthy boundaries, you define what being on the same page looks like. And I love what Henry Cloud says about boundaries in his book called Boundaries. <laughs> um, but he says, boundaries keeps the good in and the bad out. And it's just such a simple, I mean, that's just so simple. And I'm, I'm a non-complicated person, so I, I enjoy a, a good, simple <laughs> uh, statement. But... It, when you create boundaries, you define what is good and what is bad, and you set the parameters on how those things can be a part of your life or not a part of your life. And in those boundaries, you prevent yourself from absorbing the stress of others in owning the problem of others. This was probably my Achilles heel as a pastor, as a friend. I am deeply empathetic which is awesome. And it just, you know, I bet you can just feel the rays of my halo from wherever you're listening from. <laughs> but man, it got me in trouble. And I was exhausted all the time because I would just get fully into people's drama. And they weren't inviting me, right? But they didn't have boundaries. I didn't have boundaries. And because of that lack of understanding, it, we were, I just became messy and exhausted being involved. And when you insert yourself into other people's drama, then you're taking on things you weren't supposed to. And so boundaries free you from the need to fix your spouse. It frees you from the need to fix your family or your spouse's family or your coworker. You insert the person that you're thinking of. But again, boundaries feel like these, um, like this gate that says you are not allowed here where really boundaries is an offering of a gift to say, this is what is healthy for me. I think that's so wise. And it's one of the things that, um, you know, we had to figure out the hard way because it was, it was without boundaries, we were banging our head up against the wall of trying to change other people. 
and newsflash, you don't have the capacity to change a human heart. Only Dang God. It. <laughs> only I was God asking does. for that for Christmas, but I'll take <laughs> it off the list. Only, only God has that capacity. And so it, when you set that boundary and you free yourself from absorbing or owning other people's problems, it just releases you from the pressure mm-hmm. of having everybody else's junk figured out. Oh man, how, how amazing would Christmas be if you did not try to fix your mother-in-law this year? How amazing would Christmas be if you didn't try to convince your Democratic father-in-law to become Republican or your Republican, you know, stepdad to become a Democrat? Like, let, let's just, let's just set some boundaries. I'm giving you permission to do that right now. Well, and I, what I appreciate about that is boundaries is a big word. And yes, we love that we've been given this definition, but there are like micro versions of boundaries. There's boundaries intellectually, physically, spiritually. And, you know, thinking about Justin, you know, you're saying like the political side, that may be a boundary that you may have to say when that goes into that space. Hey, I have to excuse myself and you can do it in a kind way, or you can just say, you know, this conversation is hard for me to engage in. I would rather not have it. We have the power to say that. And and this is like, if you hear anything in this podcast, this is probably my most cherished thing that I would want you to hear is that boundaries give you the power to say no and be okay. The power to say no and be okay. Proverbs 1919 says this, hot tempered people must pay the penalty. If you rescue them once, you will have to do it again. And when I read that, Again, it is putting ourselves both as the Samaritan and the other nine who went the other direction. When we don't have boundaries and we don't say no, we become the hot-tempered person and we come unglued on our people. But we have the opportunity. Boundaries are a form of self-care. Say it with me. Boundaries are a form of self-care. It is not selfish. In fact, they keep you from becoming unraveled to be the best you that God's called you to be. One of the things that um, I've really had to work on over the last nine months is creating new rhythms with work. And because Trish and I, you know, moved out of church ministry and into, you know, restarting and revamping and kind of relaunching Refinus Ministries, there was a lot of work to be done. And I have a tendency to erase boundaries when it comes to work and be available at all different times and return email and have text messages. And so one of the greatest inventions of the iPhone is do not disturb. (laughs) And I have a set time on my phone that goes on and off every day. And it's just a, it's a built in boundary for me. It's, it's, it's me saying to all of you who are trying to get a hold of me after nine o'clock PM, sorry, (laughs) I'm not available. And it's just a little bit of, you know, I'm saying no, and it's okay. And, you know, I think if, if you're going to go into the holidays, try not to disappoint anyone, that is a, you don't have any boundaries, yeah. right? So be okay disappointing others, not maliciously, but as a form of self-care. Like if you have to say yes to something good for you, and it might not be the best for someone else, that is okay. Yeah. And finally, I'll just say boundaries allow you to establish limits on your capacity. And, and I think sometimes we feel exhausted emotionally and spiritually because we don't set those limits on our capacity. We, our, our, 
our eyes are bigger than our stomachs when it comes to capacity. Like we, 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 we bite off more than we can chew and it's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to say, I can't, it's okay to say, I don't have the time. And one of the things that I've been, you know, so grateful for over the last, you know, nine months or so, seven months since the, since the church closed is recognizing the limits on my capacity and living inside those limits and not trying to be something that God has not created me to be. And I, I'm hopefully going to be a better version of myself living inside the limits of my capacity rather than trying to be more than I was created to be. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but as you go into the holiday season, our prayer is that you will really kind of do an inventory of the entitlement that you live in or live with and the heart of gratitude that you can have to replace that entitlement. And then also the resentment or bitterness that you might be carrying and the forgiveness that you could offer that would erase that bitterness. And then finally, the boundaries that maybe you need to set for the betterment of your own personal life, your own heart, your own relationship with God. Well, hey guys, thanks so much for joining us for episode eight of the Let's Get Real podcast. We are kicking off 2023 with a free masterclass, January the 9th at 8 p.m. on marriage and money. It is going to be amazing. So join us at 8 p.m. on January the 9th for our free marriage masterclass. For information, you can check out the show notes or you can go to refineus.org slash masterclass. We'll talk soon.